0: The Blast from Our Past Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today, you might have seen the title and been like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. In fact, Adam might have looked at the schedule and said, what the fuck is this? No,
2: no, I did not. Uh, I actually own nine different albums by this guy. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. I didn't realize you had actually had become a fan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to talk about the 2000 album Made in Medina by Rashid Taha. Mm-hmm. Or Taha, I'm actually not sure how to pronounce his name correctly. Yeah. I've always assumed it was Taha, but I could be wrong. That's how I say it as well. Okay. Um, so I don't know about you, Adam, but I was introduced to this singer through the 2001 film Black Hawk
2: Down. I was introduced to this singer from you who had the
1: album, (laughs) the soundtrack for the music, for the movie Black Hawk Down. Um, yeah, so, uh, this movie, I actually had read Black Hawk Down not too long before the movie came out and so I was excited to go see the movie. When I saw the movie, I fell in love with the soundtrack. Of course, the composer on that is Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer, amazing. Um, I uh, you know, I bought the soundtrack, loved the stuff, but the very first track on there is the very first track on Made in Medina, which we'll get to, and I, I just became enamored with his sound, and I thought, I've got to find out who this guy was. Of course, this, uh, this was early 2000s, so this is pre- um, the the streaming stuff, and so I had to go uh, to numerous uh, record stores into the imported sections to try to find it. Eventually, I did find this album, uh, along with a, a couple other ones. I found his live album, which yep. I love. His live album, it's great. I do have that one as well. Yeah. Um. In fact, my favorite song of his is on the live album and is actually the live version of that song. I prefer the live version over huh. the studio version, which I'll, I'll talk about. Okay. It, actually, it, it doesn't matter. It's a um, uh, think The song is a uh, Nocta. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I know that. I, remember that song. I have the really, one. really just fucking awesome bass and guitar riff in the middle of that song. Just really cool. I love it. And this became a regular rotation CD for me.
2: And that's very much how I started to fall in love. Um, for, to with Rashid Taha's music uh, but also I mean it was very much from you playing this album or maybe you I mean you absolutely introduced this guy and this album to me and so mm-hmm. I started listening to it and then at some point on one of those you know not quite legal download sites I got a whole <laughs> bunch of, I got pretty much his entire discography at the time so that's right. why I got so much of his stuff um, but yeah, so I, I kind of really got it and I got into world music actually for a little while there as mm-hmm. well. And so he kind of was one of them that I would go into him and, um, Habib Kwate is another guy that I got into, I just, I listened to all their stuff and this, and this guy beep was because of you.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. I, I oddly enough, didn't remember that. So I'm like, I was expecting you to not know any of this stuff. So that, actually I think it's going to make this a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, to discuss. So, uh, I don't normally do this, but let's let's do a little bit of a background on Rashid Taha because I'm sure anyone who thankfully clicked on this episode and was like, you know what, I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, He is, or was, unfortunately, and I hate to say was, I had a I one of my bucket list items was to see this guy live, which was going to be almost impossible. He rarely played in the U.S., and when he did, it was usually only in New York City. Mm -hmm. He was an Algerian and kind of French-Algerian singer. Um, He lived in France, uh, but he was born in SIG, Algeria, although there are some people who say he was actually born in Oran, Algeria, which is a coastal city. Um, And he is known mostly for kind of meshing uh, the style of I think it's pronounced Rai. Yeah, Rai. Yeah, I don't know. Rai. And it's it's sort of like um, Algerian folk music mixed with Western style, yeah. essentially. That came out of uh, I think out of the '80s. actually, uh-huh. um, but uh, that with uh, modern rock, techno, electronica, punk, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, he does. He does blend things. He's very experimental.
1: Yes, and actually, even throughout this album, it it is a little eclectic. Mm-hmm. You'll hear different styles between songs. Um, he does have, I think, a more common through line with some of his stuff, but he will branch out and bring in different things. Um, and he sings, I believe, mostly in Arabic, mm-hmm. but I, occasionally I will listen to a song and be like, I'm pretty sure he's singing in French. Yeah, in in some of in some of the songs. Um there wasn't too much information about him and specifically the album Made in Medina. There's some basic information. It was uh released in 2000 on the Barclay label. The producer is a guy named Stephen Hillage who was really known in the 60s. He's an English musician uh for like his guitar stuff. Okay. Um, so he was, he was big on the English, uh, you know, like sixties and seventies guitar scene. And he became, uh, the producer for this album. And I didn't check if he produced any of the other ones. And then I'll just kind of talk about the, the personnel. There's a bunch of different people that we use for a bunch of different songs. Uh, Stephen Hillage did play on a lot of stuff, did some arrangements. And there was a, uh, Nigerian musician, uh, named Fumi Kuti who did some saxophones and some vocals. The only other one I'm gonna bring up is one name that I instantly re- that I instantly recognize because I'm a drummer and I recognize his name because I've actually seen him in person doing clinics, is a guy named Stanton Moore. <laughs> hey folks, Editor John here. Stick around to the end of the episode. I actually got a chance to do a short little interview with Stanton Moore about him working on this particular album. I'll throw that in at the end of this episode, so please stick around for that. All right, uh, Adam. Uh, before we get into it, um, any any fun facts you want to hit? Yeah, I've got a, a couple different things I
2: wanted to mention. Um, so the album hit number thirty-eight on the French album charts. So there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I did because I'm terrible about my African geography. I'm not gonna lie; I'm just not good at it. I couldn't remember where Algeria landed. Um, on in the African continent. I mean, I kind of knew it was more northern uh, and it is mm-hmm. and it is pretty much north like you know right on the Mediterranean yeah um it is actually the largest nation in Africa if people didn't know mm-hmm. that. So uh, it is like 920 thousand square miles, something like that. It's basically for like context now, this is a terrible way to put it but if you combine Alaska plus Texas, Add in a Utah and sprinkle in Connecticut. All of that combined <laughs> is how big Algeria is, which is fucking huge.
1: Yeah. Although, to be fair, I'm pretty sure the vast majority of that is the Sahara Desert. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. Fair. Fair, like Australia, man. Like that. Yeah. You know, people live on the on the coast of Australia, not in the yeah. Maine,
1: so. Or like if if you think of Canada, the vast majority of people yeah. live on the border with America. They don't live up in the in the tundra area. Exactly.
2: So. Uh, so yeah, so but um, I mean, Alger- all A lot of that Mediterranean area was, you know, ruled by France or other stuff. It, it's pretty much directly south of Germany and, and some France. Yeah. Um, in and fact, lo- I believe
1: when 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 Taha was born in Algeria, it was known as French Algeria because yeah. the French still owned it.
2: Exactly, uh, they they did exactly like they conquered quite a bit of that northern Africa area and. Um, most all of North Africa is much more similar in their, um, identity and their, you know, their language and all this stuff with East, uh, with the Middle East, not so much like the kind of traditional African that we think of, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit more darker complexion. Um, and you know, kind of like that sub Saharan kind of mentality. Um, this is, they're much more think like Egyptian style, like Middle Eastern style. So that is Mm -hmm. more, much more similar to that. Um, and, let's see, one one little thing that I thought was interesting, because uh, he he had a pretty, well, I mean, it was a fairly large hit for him. Uh, he did a cover of The Clash's song, uh, Rock the Casbah. He has one called Rock El Casbah, if you've heard that. Right. So, basically, actually, Rashid Ha was um, a fan of The Clash way back in the day, and I read, oh, actually, one of the members of The Clash is Joe Strummer, mm-hmm. um, which, on the Black Hawk Down soundtrack... One of my other favorite songs is Minstrel Boy by Joe oh, Strummer.
1: Yeah, that's such a great song.
2: And yeah, so they ended up being on the same uh, um, the same album, which I thought was just kind of funny. But anyway, he went and saw The Clash in 1981, and he gave the band a demo tape for his group at the time. He never heard back because that's mm-hmm. expected. But a few months later, he heard the song rock the casbah and he was convinced that his style kind of maybe helped um you know influence the band to create that song which is kind of funny because obviously it's the casbah is very middle eastern thing and so i think so he kind of thinks that it's just kind of funny to me and then he ended up covering the song and just kind of comes full circle so just kind of funny on that cool so yeah uh and as you mentioned he died in 2018 of a uh, heart attack in his sleep so. Yeah, I was
1: I didn't find out I think until 2019 because obviously mm-hmm. tra- news of foreign musicians who are not probably in the US is slow to get here. Yeah. Um and I was I, I was honestly I was heartbroken to find out that he he had passed because yeah. I I I really think he had probably a lot more music to give the world. Yeah, he's, it was he's exactly very
2: unique stuff. It's great music and um yeah, I recommend any of the albums. They're all
1: they're
0: all pretty mm-hmm. interesting.
1: All right, I'm I'm ready to jump in. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, it starts off with the uh, track that was the first track, also on the Black Hawk Down soundtrack, and the one that was responsible for this whole episode, essentially, and that is "Bra Bra." <laughs> So, a couple things I love about this song. Uh, first off, most of his music, and this is going to be true for pretty much everything, w- skews a little bit longer
2: mm-hmm.
1: and has a, what I would call, like a hypnotic quality to it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of repetition in his songs. Yeah. Which I'm totally fine with, actually. I have no problems with repetition. Um, even I, mean, I know some people who just can't stand it if, if something repeats too many times. It doesn't bother me at all. But... Here is a clear mash of traditional Algerian and kind of Mediterranean sounds, instruments. Um, uh, a, a, it sounds like what is possibly either a, a darbuk or a um, dumbek. That's the other word I was looking for. Uh, so a darbouka and a dumbek are essentially very, very similar drums. Um, you'll see them a lot. If you ever go see anyone who does uh, belly dancing... Okay. They usually have a, one of, a doboka or, or doombeck, um, and then also um, I'm assu- what I'm assuming is what's called a reek, which is kind of like their version of a tambourine. Okay, um, which is kind of like a small hand drum with jingles and stuff like that. Um, and you get uh, what also the other instrument that I'm ass- I'm assuming it's this one. I could be wrong, but is the oud, uh, which is sort of like an Arabian lute. Okay, um, and you get these cool traditional sounds with this fucking awesome rock guitar. Yeah. on top of it and it, it, <laughs> he, he hits you with it right away and oh, this one a lot like i think a lot of his other songs is, is kind of a slow build where it it's building to mm-hmm. the peak where the essentially where the drums officially come the drum set officially comes in yeah. and man when that part happens and the beat drops on this i my head just starts bobbing yeah and i'm i'm in it to the end of the song exactly yeah i know exactly i mean
3: yeah
2: it, it is it is repetitive or it's a uh, repetitive but in a good way with that slow build i love the hard kind of distorted guitar mixed in with like the traditional middle eastern sounds um, yeah it yeah when this song unloads it i just feel like <laughs> because you're going on the journey with it you're just like fuck yeah like i could do whatever you know what exactly give me give me a thousand pounds i could lift it right now um <laughs> It's a fantastic song, and it's definitely my favorite on the album, mostly mm-hmm. from nostalgic reasons or re- reasons why it because it it you know it's the first one I heard of his, and I just I really love it. It's got a great energy. Um, yeah. I didn't look that I tried to look some of this stuff up, but I couldn't for all of them. Um, bara bara means pretty much like uh like everybody get out or you know get out mm. kind of like yeah. a command. And apparently the song's about the problems there are in Algeria and the reality that you have to get out of the country to escape those things. Um, I couldn't find much. That's basically the only song I could really find some stuff on. Yeah,
1: I had the same problem where I found copies of the lyrics for other songs, but they were all in Arabic and there was no translation.
2: Yep. Yeah, it was really tough. Uh, But yeah, this this is an awesome song. It is one that, you know, if you want to like you know, start off like do like a warm-up. You know, if you want to have like mm-hmm. a workout list, a workout playlist, this is a good one to start with. You can get your warm-up of yeah. them when you're kind of getting that build, and then when it hits something, then you're like, fuck yeah, now I'm ready to tear some shit up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it definitely builds to a really good moment that that keep that keeps you in for the rest of the song. Um as I mentioned, most of these songs are fairly long. The shortest one is four minutes and thirty seconds. Most of them are over five minutes. There's only a few of yep. them that are less than five minutes, and all those are still pretty close. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't feel like I mean this one's almost six minutes, and it, to me it doesn't feel like it because it really it keeps you in. Mm-hmm. It's as I, I, and I'm I'm going to say this a lot. It was very hypnotizing mm-hmm. to where you just don't notice the passage of time. You don't notice how long it takes for him to build it up because there's you're, there's interesting things happening, and and I'm going at this, and we're going at this with strictly western ears yeah with sounds that we didn't grow up with and we're not familiar with and are unique to us and part of that is what i think what really hooked me i agree i mean this entire album i'm not going to really understand a damn word right and i doesn't matter oh don't need to don't need to don't need to i mean shit half the time, i love rammstein i don't give a f- yeah I, sometimes i don't know I sometimes with rammstein i don't want to know what they're saying <laughs> sure but I can still enjoy the music. Yes. Uh, and it's the same here. I uh, I didn't need to know what Rashid Daha was, was singing about. I didn't hear the word America anywhere in there, so I, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it, his music does all his talking yep, for him. It does. I think. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead on to the next next song which also is the same word twice and that also appears several times in this album where the title is the same word two or three times Mm -hmm. um and i didn't bother to look up the meaning of this one but it is fucked fucked What I really like about this is it, it, it kind of sounds like they've really mixed uh, an oud sound with an electric guitar sound because it, it's, it's its hard to, I'm not sure what they did, like almost like they took an, an oud, would it, and then added a little bit of distortion to it, or it could just be um, a guitar, just the, the, the tone of the guitar. Um, this one, it's also a little repetitive. It's not immediately one of my favorites, but I have no issues listening to it all the way oh, yeah. through. He's got a lot of fun riffs with this one. He sings with a lot of passion in this one. He gets angry.
2: Yeah, I definitely recognize that as well. Um, yeah, his his voice is. You're right. He's pissed about something. I don't know what it is. I I tried to look up the um, the lyrics. Like I tried to put him in like a Google Translate. It mm-hmm. didn't work for me. So I really have no idea. But I will say, when you're younger, when I was younger. I mean, it sounds like fuck, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you kind of, you know, it always kind of like, you know, he's quite in, enjoyed that. Um, yeah, uh, I like I saw that a critic wrote that uh, fucked fucked uh, moves away from the more traditional aspects of Barabara coming off kind of like what you two might have sound like if they grew up in Marrakesh. Um, and I, <laughs> I can kind of hear some of that, especially the later in the song. But but there is, um, yeah, a good mix of the the rock sound in there. Uh, blending Mm -hmm. in with it so yeah this is this is one i i enjoyed you know for sure
1: yeah and he 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 does he has like a really good kind of uh mediterranean uh arabic melody that kind of interlopes in some of that (laughs) oh yeah i like that and it's it's a it's a it's a fun little adage the mixture of of sounds in here is really what keeps me going throughout a lot of this mm-hmm Uh, Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is kind of the title track, um, and it was simply called Medina. I, we're getting a little bit more of that electronica flavor
0: mm-hmm.
1: i feel um this one i love the the hook in this the i don't even know what they're singing so i don't know if i'm saying the words right but down, man it if when you listen to this it makes me want to stand up and and just move and dance yeah and just simple steps like uh it, it's so it's so much fun yeah there's definitely dance vibes that he kind
2: of throws in with quite a bit of this album. Uh Medina is the city of in is a city in western uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, north mm-hmm. of Mecca apparently. Um yeah, this song this one feels, I don't know. You're right. You say you want to dance. It, it feels brighter than the previous yes. two tracks.
1: That's a good that's a good word.
2: And yeah, some that electric dance stuff in there. Also it's got like a was it, an oud solo maybe or something for a mm-hmm. short little bit, but he does that in quite a bit of these songs, so but yeah, I mean, I like this one. I, maybe not like it as much as the first two. Maybe I like it second. I don't know. Bra bra is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Um, I like maybe I like Medina better than Fucked. I like them both. They're both great. They're both great. Yeah.
1: I mean, if I had to pick one between the two, I think I'd put Medina over Foxtrot. Mm, mm-hmm. um, as just as far as like like one, which one I'm more likely to go back to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, there's not even though both of them have sort of dance elements. Uh, Medina, I think, is significantly faster yeah. than fucked fuck, so it's going to give you a little bit more energy. So it kind of depends yes. on how you feel. Sure. Uh, fuck fuck just just feels a little bit more laid back, like you're going to fucked fuck. fuck. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the next one, which uh, features Femi Kuti, who I mentioned before, is the Nigerian uh, musician. And I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, so I apologize. It's Allah Jalkum.
0: Alad Jalkum.
3: I love Junko, I love Junko, I love I love
0: I love I I love
3: His story's sad, burns my heart justice that makes one want to cry.
1: Cry. Cry. cry i was excited to hear something in english uh, honestly i'm a little shocked he sang in english yeah to me it actually kind of
2: takes me out of the song a bit because that's, <laughs> i understand that it's that's fair I, i'm you know i'm I, by this point i am used to and gotten into you know just listening for the music and then all of a sudden oh fucking english what the hell <laughs> now I, now i have to understand stuff and pay attention to lyrics no um so yeah it, it, it weirdly having the english is um a deterrent for this song for me and i do remember when i listened to this album i would almost always skip this song
1: okay that's fair mm-hmm. um i still enjoy it mm-hmm. um i wouldn't say the english takes me out of it i think i think if i if english was not my first language and i heard this it would be better okay um, like if, like hearing a song now where it's mostly in English and then having another verse in Spanish or mm-hmm. something else, um, doesn't bother me. I'd find, I'd, in fact, I tend to like those. I, I find them very interesting. Um, but the fact that we're used to hearing, plus, um, he's Nigerian, um, even though, I mean, he was born in, uh, we're talking about, uh, Femi Kuti here, who's uh-huh. the one who does that section. Um, born in London, um, but his, uh, family is from Lagos, uh, from Nigeria and I don't know if he sings I imagine actually he probably sings mostly in English. Uh yeah, possibly. If that's the case. Um uh, I don't know what what the official language of Nigeria is
2: actually. Uh, yeah, while you're looking it up, I will yep. mention. Yeah, I don't dislike this song. I just I feel like the vibe is is different enough from the first three that I, I don't want to come off that dance high. Um mm-hmm. and, and kind of like the good energy. Uh something interesting about Femi Kuti that I saw in 2014, uh, he was uh, put into the Guinness Book World, you know, Guinness Book of World mm-hmm. Records um, for the longest single note held on a saxophone.
1: Oh, uh, so he beat out um, Kenny. Oh, Kenny G. Kenny G. Because oh, Kenny G uh, used to have that.
2: Okay, uh, so he used circular breathing. Yeah. To do it, and the record was set at 51 minutes. In thirty five seconds.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kenny. Kenny, I almost said Kenny Rogers. Uh, Kenny G's record, I think, was like forty something minutes or something like that. Okay. Okay. I, just, didn't, I didn't see the Kenny G yeah. reference, but which is but, still impressive. Oh God, yes. The whole the whole idea of circular breathing is fascinating to me. Uh, I've kind of tried to do it. It's very hard. I'm not a wind player, so I have not developed my lungs in that way. Yeah. So it's very, plus, I mean, you can, it's easy to do it when you're not doing, when you're not trying to play an instrument, but trying to control your breath to play an instrument at the same time as you are circular breathing is just insane.
2: From, from what I, I mean, cause I, I didn't have to do it of course and whatnot, but from just b- playing a wind instrument, I kind of knew of it. And if I, to let me know if I'm right on my mentality is that. Pretty much what you do is, I mean, of course, you you take your breaths and you breathe, but while you are breathing in, you have to have, you have to puff up your, you have to put your breath in your cheeks, and you blow out, basically, during your cheeks while you're breathing in with your nose.
1: You're basically, yeah, you're basically, you're taking in air through your nose, storing it in your mouth, mm-hmm. and then as you're pushing the air out, because yes. you're not breathing out, you're pushing the air out through the instrument, you're also breathing in at the same time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's... It's Uh, actually um, in Australia, uh, players who play the didgeridoo are known for circular breathing because Uh, they will have that continuous drone happening continuously. So they have to circular breathe a lot. So those guys are really, really good at that as well. Makes sense. But uh, back, I mean, back to the song, if I had to quantify the, the album, I probably would put this at, if not the bottom, close to the bottom of songs for this. Yeah. Um, But it, I, I do appreciate the mood change because um, Medina really kind of hypes us up for this and this one really brings us back. I would like to know what the song is about, at least the rest of the song is about, but I'm sure it has something to do with, kind of sounds like peace and love or something like that.
2: Yeah, oh, sure.
1: Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is called Aye Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Do actually enjoy this one? Um, it's slow. We slowed down a little bit from the other tunes. Not we're sped up from uh, from Al but uh, we get kind of like a, a really kind of pounding kind of percussion and drum beat with this one. I almost wish he'd found a way to add some extra distorted guitar because that cool distorted guitar factor that we get in Bara Bara, we don't get again.
2: Mm-hmm. Really,
1: in mostly any other song. So yeah. in this one, like I when because there is a little bit of distorted card, the guitar that kind of comes in at the chorus when he gets to the I, yeah I, I mm-hmm. and it, it's in the back. But I want it, I I want more of it. I yeah. want it a little heavier. And I haven't I, I don't know. I don't remember this one being on a live album. But if it is, I, I hope that they really kind of leaned into that.
2: Yeah, this one is enjoyable. You're right. It's got the good kind of rock and electronic backing. Um, but it does. There's a it feels simpler. It feels simpler to, mm-hmm. than some of the ones that we had heard already, and I agree. Like, yeah, maybe that uh, more distorted guitar
1: would have added a little bit more to it. Yeah. It is powerfully hypnotic, though, I think. Like, mm-hmm. like this is... Th- I could see... Um, <laughs> I could see this, and you kind of get this, actually, in the movie. If you saw uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, there's kind of like a scene where they're talking about how... um Wanda could dreamwalk into another Wanda mm-hmm. and the music in there actually kind of reminds me of this song where it was like Middle Eastern but like heavy yeah. and moving and I could kind of see that this song being used for a scene like that okay. um, sort of something that's like hypnotic and dreamlike alright let's go ahead and move on to the next one we're already halfway through the album at this point and this next song is called Hey Hey Anta yeah. Very strong Algerian vibes with this mm-hmm. one. A little bit more so than some of the rest. Of the one. This one sounds like a song I would expect to hear and see everyone singing and dancing to at a Algerian wedding.
2: Yeah, I could. You know what? Yeah, there's a ha- I definitely get happier vibe. It's more mm-hmm. upbeat. Yeah. Um, and almost bubbly compared to a lot of the stuff that we've heard before. Yeah. Um Yeah. I I've, I really dig this one. Even though it doesn't have. You're right. A lot of the more intense or electronic stuff to it um i i dig it i dig this song quite a bit
1: yeah and it, it is a it is a stark contest current con, wow it is a stark contrast from the kind of darker iii song that we got mm-hmm. right before this which seemed a little bit heavier and and like yeah. sludgier and a little bit it moved a little bit slower this mm-hmm. one you're right it seems a little happy and bubbly and you know i would i would want to i would want to hear this at a party or something like that where everyone's um of course it's a muslim nation so they're probably not drinking but you know having fun eating and doing you know just yeah. out dancing and teaching me how to do some dance that i don't i'll never remember how to do because it's too complicated i've tried to do some <laughs> of the, the middle eastern west the dances and i'm not a dancer i wish no. i was but i'm just not
2: uh so i saw a u.s critic wrote about this song in particular like it said i may not be able to uh i may not be absolutely certain What the singer of Hey Anta is singing about, it could be a girl, a boy, God, or a grasshopper for all I know, but the pure joy and wonder shines through plain as day. And I wholeheartedly agree. Like that is Mm -hmm. this album to me is like, I don't know what the hell he's singing about. And I don't give a fuck because (laughs) it it doesn't take away from my appreciation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the next one, which I will try to pronounce the name of. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) I think it is. Kalantika? Kalantika? Something like that. <laughs> So uh, this is another one where he's leaning more on the folk traditions I feel, uh, and sounds of of, of Algeria um, for this song. It almost sounds like it could be a folk song.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, like, exactly, like something that is just all like you know, like every person kind of knows and yeah. He, he yeah, you're right, absolutely. I you know I and I like I really liked this one. I did too. Yeah, I did too. because. Because you feel you feel like you're getting a little bit of knowledge of a culture that's not yours, right? Um, yeah, you're learning about you know this totally different style. It's not the exact fusion of stuff that also is very good, but yeah, it's got that more traditional chill kind of sound on this one. I mean, it reminds me; it feels like it should be on a Putumayo CD, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. And I love those. I yeah. love those
2: albums. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, there's there's a there's I think there's a Putumayo CD we could probably do as an album.
2: I'm review. certain of
1: it. Our, our mom had them and played them pretty often and, and yeah. pr-
2: probably like one in particular.
1: Um, and, and again, all, almost all of these songs, in my opinion, are slow burns. Mm-hmm. You've got to be in it for the long haul because there's a lot of repetition and he's going to he's gonna bring back a lot of themes. But he always seems to go somewhere. It just takes a while for some of this stuff to happen. And, and maybe that's a cultural thing. I swear as as a as an as an American, we have less and less patience for our music, and I, mm-hmm. I I've started to notice this. Like um, I I do enjoy watching um, a lot of like uh, reactors on YouTube, especially yeah. if it's something that that I like. And I'm like I'm really interested to hear what someone of the next generation thinks of this one. And one of my favorite ones is to, is to listen to is to watch people listen to Rage Against the Machine for the first time rage against the machine took a long time sometimes for the vocals to come in and they would riff on something or two different s- riffs like a-, a while and a lot of the things that I-, I-, I watch a lot of people are like why is it taking so long for the to- for the for the words to come in and in my head I'm like man enjoy the mood enjoy the moment mm-hmm. enjoy the riff what's playing I right? the the lyrics while important, are not always the most important thing, and I feel like if the if the lyrics don't come in like almost right away, people have no patience for it.
2: Yeah, I mean, things are getting more and more form, formulaic, um, mm-hmm. and it's I think that is to our creative detriment. I totally
1: agree. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which I am not entirely sure whether or not this the title is in French or not, but I'm guessing it is. And my limited knowledge of Latin-based ones might be having something the word having something to do with slowly or slow. Mm-hmm. I think so yeah um, but it's called on en, en retard or on retard <laughs> Another one that sounds like a like an almost like a dance wedding song, but I tell you what, that backbeat in the drum makes me want to clap along like every time. I want to be like,
2: Ooh. yeah,
1: <laughs> man. It just it this one makes me want to just like dance in my seat and move. It's another it's one I love to listen to while I'm driving. Um, yeah, I feel like it, it really motivates me and pushes me.
2: Yeah, I always like this song for some reason. It's kind of like on my like upper half of this album. Mm-hmm. Um It's also got the good uh, call and response because he's got yeah. like, like a group of people behind him, and there's you know there's there's fun with that. Um, yeah, traditional sounds too, and that doesn't go dive too much into some of the in, intense, um, electronic and rock mm-hmm. sound as well, but it's, it's, it's not amazing, but I do like this song quite a bit.
1: Yeah. There's that, that kind of weird sounding instrument at in the beginning that I can't tell if it's like some sort of wind instrument or if it's an electronic sound. The... Uh, yeah. And I, and I, I've never bothered to look up what that is, but. Um, it, it sounds Middle Eastern, which makes me think it is some sort of either wind instrument or something similar that's creating a unique sound, and maybe they sampled it and, and maybe moved it around a little bit, um, but I, it really drives the feel mm-hmm. of this song, and I, I that and the and the and the kind of really upbeat backbeat that really gets me through the song. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is called Verite. Verite. <laughs> Don't One or two things that I really like about the song, and kind of one of the the big thing that I don't like about the song. Huh. One, I appreciate the almost seventies funk flavor that we're getting from the background instruments. Yeah. in Yeah, I got a
2: lot of funk on this one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: it, it's a little bit more kind of a, a laid back funk, not too, not too put, not pushing it too much. But we're getting some, we're getting comes getting some of that uh, kind of uh, Hammond organ sound in the back. Um, some cool drum licks and you really even even throughout the the chorus and everything you're really kind of getting that almost like pseudo 70s funk flavor mixed with his Algerian roots. Mm-hmm. The thing that I don't like about this song is it actually bores me. Oh really? Yeah, I really didn't get into it that much. This one uh, this one might like my jockey with uh, Ala Jacum is like one of my least favorites on this. I don't mind listening to it. It's mm-hmm. got cool sounds that can hook me in, but for some reason, his melodies really didn't hook me in in this song for some reason.
2: Okay. All right. Um, Verté is French for truth. Uh, this song is one of the more Western-feeling songs to me. You're right. Yeah. a lot of that funk element coming in, but I actually quite like it. Um, chiller vibe, I'm feeling on the second half of this album, mostly compared to the first half, which is mm-hmm. a little bit darker rocker. Um, but I'm I'm feeling the funk on this one, and so I actually okay. I quite quite like it.
1: Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, all right. Uh, also, verte just makes me think of my favorite Latin phrase, which is in vino veritas, which is in wine there is truth.
2: Oh, okay, nice. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, well, let's go to the next one, which also has a very French-sounding name, which is Ho Hocheri sheri This one I find to be very fascinating because it almost sounds like he is singing in French, mm-hmm. but in a very Algerian and almost Middle Eastern Arabic way with the way that he's inflecting his voice, the sort of, ah, ah, ah uh, uh-huh. kind of like vibrating up and down sounds that he's doing in his melodies, but with mm-hmm. some French at least, the hocheri Shari is French, and, I, yes. and that's in the-, the uh, in the in the chorus, and there's other sounds where I'm like the word sounds French, so I can't tell if he's mixing Arabic and French together, um, or if he's if he's use if if is much like Spanglish, where there's like uh, a mixture of both. If, if there is like a Arabic French uh, mixture, because I know that there is there is actually a lot of Arabic immigrants in France. Mm. Um, that's I know there's a, a big influx of, of of those people in France. So, like, that I could also understand if, like, if they've developed, like, their own sort of, like, Spanglish equivalent of French and Arabic.
2: That would totally make sense. Uh, Cheri basically is a French word for sweetheart Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And we've kind of, you know, even English has kind of adopted that a little bit. Um, Yeah, this one... Is not that I don't dislike it, but this is a skip for me almost mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. This is not this one is just not really. I mean, it's definitely some kind of like a romance or a love song or yeah. something, and it's just I'm not digging it.
1: If you're in the if you're if you're wanting that upbeat pushing almost techno esque stuff that he's got, I can absolutely see him be like I just I you have to be in the right mood for this song, and and if if you're wanting the upbeat stuff, excuse me, if you're wanting the upbeat stuff, you're gonna push past it. We have, wait one more song <laughs> yeah exactly uh, alright all well let's go to the last one which is the longest song on the album at just over 8 minutes right at 8 minutes and 19 seconds and I'll be honest aside from Barabara, bra, it's one of my favorites it's definitely my second favorite on the album yeah and it's called Garab Have used the words or the term slow burn on this uh, about different songs on this, but that term applies to no song more than Garab Garab or or not Garab Garab, um, even though he actually says it that way, uh, to Garab. It is a slow burn from beginning to end, but man, I love where he takes us on this. Uh, we it, 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 it is a true mesh of Western and Eastern flavors in in the music in the style. We start off with very traditional sounding drums and instruments, and then you get to the middle section. It's a little bit past the middle, I feel, and it's you. It's cool because it starts to speed up, and it's te- so, dude, it's so <laughs> it's so unexpected too. Yeah. Like you're thinking, okay, we're you know if you've never heard this song before, that's so unexpected, and then it moves up, and then it's like, oh man, we're really booking now, and then. This electron electronic drums come in and the other yeah. synth sounds come in and he pushes you to the end of the song where you're just like, yeah, <laughs>
2: that's a good way to explain it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You got like a, a
2: tribal feel and then like an electric feel and then and then you're in like full all out dance club. Yeah. techno vibe. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it works so well. You're right. The the entire burn for this one. It, it's so worth it by the end.
1: Yeah. And I can see how um, they selected um, him and, and like Bra Bra for mm-hmm. the um, Blackhawk Downside track because I've, I've, I've listened to uh, a lot of, of interviews with Hans Zimmer about that particular soundtrack mm-hmm. and his, his take. Now, Hans Zimmer, and, and somebody else put it this way, and I think this is perfect. It is almost, I think it's unfair to compare Hans Zimmer and uh, John Williams as composers. Mm-hmm. Because what John Williams does better than anyone else is themes or leitmotifs, where every character has their own theme. And this is very much an operatic and, and uh, uh, very classical way of doing things. Um, you know, Star Wars, everyone knows that Leia's got a theme, Vader's yeah. got a theme, Luke's, the Force has a theme. It was Luke's theme, but it's basically, you know, the Force has a theme. And I I don't think anyone in cinema does that better than him. Mm-hmm. What Hans Zimmer does well is moods. Mm. Is he will set the mood. A lot of his stuff doesn't really have an overly memorable melody that comes with it. But man, he knows how to set the mood for a scene and how to you know how to do that. Um, I I recently heard him talk about how he created uh, part of the the score for Batman uh, for the dark night. Mm-hmm. And there's that, there, there's that sound that happens when the Joker is. And it's like at this weird low, uh, it's not even that low rumble, but it's like this eerie sound that just kind of like, it It just, it's a noise. It's just a mm-hmm. noise. And it kind of goes, and all it is, is it's actually a cello that's very slowly glissing up like very slowly and he said the way he got it is he wrote this piece for this celloist uh cellist excuse me um that was like had like he's like it has like a thousand notes like it was insane and he made him play it all day for three days to the point where he was physically exhausted and then he had him do the gosando without thinking and that's the sound so like when you first see the joker at the very beginning, um, with just standing with the mask, and you hear this, you'll hear the noise, and immediately you'll recognize this, Oh yeah, that's the noise that we recognize. That's what that is. Oh, uh, and he sets the mood because it's huh. uneasy. It's uneasy uh-huh. to your ears. So what what Zimmer did with Black Hawk Down was he did actually kind of create almost a theme, but it was a theme with instruments. The Americans were represented by almost techno esque sounds and music, hmm. and the Africans were were represented by more traditional folk instruments and stuff like that but he combined them for the songs but that's mm. how he was representing them and bringing this all the way back to Rashid taha he's doing a very good job of that and especially in this last song Garab where you start yeah. with one and end in with almost with the other is uh, just a perfect marriage of the two sounds and a, a I think a great way to end this because at the end of it I really usually just be like all right let's run it again flip it over yeah <laughs> yeah
2: Yep, absolutely.
1: Um, all right, let's kind of go into final thoughts. And um, I was the one who put this on the schedule, so I'll go last. But I, I, I'm I'm sure. really pleasant. I've been pleasantly surprised by um, how how much you've enjoyed this. So let's hear your final thoughts.
2: Yeah, I was glad to see this one on there. Um, yeah, I I'm, I didn't realize you didn't know how how much I had gotten into Rashid um from you know you introducing him to mm-hmm. me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it is – it's a blending of sounds, uh, some that, you know, I'm more familiar with, mm-hmm. some of the kind of Middle Eastern or Algerian sounds that I don't know as well, but they work so well together. Um, you know, it's not – and this album is not like – even even when he does, like, some more of the more folky sounds and whatnot, I don't feel like this album is like, all right, here's the Algerian song, and then here's the rock song. It's like, no, they, they – all form this perfect, interesting harmony to me. Like, this is just a great sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will be nostalgic for this album probably forever um, because I do have that tie and it's something that you helped bring to my forefront. And I really got into him. Like I said, I really got into some um, world music, partly probably because of this mm-hmm. and my and my interest in him. And so I, I don't put this on, album on as often as I probably should. Mm-hmm. But I always appreciate it
1: whenever it's on. So it is; uh, it's a wonderful listen for anybody. Yeah. Um. So you, I mean, I didn't really say this, but like as as a nostalgia, I mean, we don't we don't typically dive into the two thousands for mm-hmm. too many things. Um. And but this one was right at two thousand, and this was early on in college for me. So this would have been high school for you. Yeah. Um. But I love. This album, I loved listening to the music of Rashid taha And, um, again, I wish I wish I could have seen him live. Um, and I can only hope that, um, you know, putting him on this podcast and exp- hopefully exposing you guys to some of this music is, is a way of helping uh, his music to live on. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I will probably be promoting his stuff till the day I die with how awesome he was as far as is his what i feel like his his unappreciated contributions to music are um and and as as americans we i think we need a more eclecticism in our sound and i yes. I, I think he's a i think he's a great introduction and gateway into that i just realized this is the so this this would be i'm guessing the 3rd well, no, technically i i was about to I was about to mention but most of the Totenhosen album that we talked about was actually in English. Yeah, Not, so I guess but, just after Rammstein. Rammstein. Yeah. I mean, if if you guys who are listening are enjoying us venturing out into some of these other ones, even though Rammstein was a little bit more mainstream, you know, shoot us an email or something. And let us know because I I really do an- enjoy trying to broaden out. Because I we did listen to a lot of non English stuff. I feel. When we were younger and a lot of that I think has to do with our mother who was mm-hmm. really big into world music there's a there's another African CD that I love to listen to it would be very hard to do an album review on that one because that one is very much like a atmospheric CD and okay and not so much a melodic one so it'd be a little bit more difficult to talk about I didn't remember the album I think it was Spirit of the Forest
2: okay I mean yeah I remember having a lot of those different kind of ones. Yeah. And yeah,
1: That one was an interesting one, and I'll bring this one up now just because I don't think we'll ever get to it. Spirit of the Forest was like these two Australian guys who went to Africa and recorded these kind of tribes singing these songs, and then they took it back to Australia and added uh, acoustic guitar and bass and drums and stuff on top of that. But and while there is melody, it's more atmospheric than anything else. It's a great CD to have as a background is something mm-hmm. you're doing. Not something that I really found myself actively listening to. But anyway, Rashid Daha, Made in Medina. Can't recommend it more. Uh, and we'll end it there. That's our uh, review of Made in Medina by Rashid Daha. All right. First of all, thank you so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. I realize how busy you are. Um, I think I saw on social media that you're recording in New York right
3: now. That was... Day before yesterday, on Sunday, we were recording in New York, and then yesterday, I got to Denver. Oh, wow. To Denver. Today, I'm doing a master class in Denver, and then tomorrow, we're playing Fort Collins with Garage d'Atoile, two nights in Denver, and then Boulder.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. It's so, not one place, it's another, right?
3: Yeah, but it's all good stuff. We're in the same hotel for six nights, oh, okay. so I love that. <laughs>
1: get to kind of relax and kind of get things set out and feel a little bit more like home.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I love working every day. I just don't necessarily love traveling every day. Right.
1: Yeah. It it can definitely be a bear. So first of all, thank you so much for agreeing uh, to do this. Um, I had no expectations reaching out, so I really appreciate the time that you're uh, giving us for this. Yeah, no um, a little bit our podcast is it's a very small podcast, but we've been doing it for actually about five years now And it's just kind of um it's a nostalgic look back at our childhood my brother and I And we talked mostly we started talking about movies and TV shows But at some point we started talking about albums You know, we wanted to talk about albums and this album came up and I uh, I myself am, am a drummer um, I went to school for it And so as I'm going through the personnel of the Made in Medina album your name came up and instantly I'm like oh I know exactly who that is and I was I was surprised actually to see a name I recognized on this album because I've actually loved this album for 20 years and just never bothered to look at the personnel I guess um so how do you rem- I know this was like 20 years ago do you remember much about making the Maiden in Medina album
3: I remember a good bit about it I mean Rashid's management reached out to us, and they said, you know, he loves New Orleans, he wants to come to New Orleans, and he wants to work with a band that would be able to record in a way that they could loop and sample things. And so they wanted to create fresh material for them to loop and sample. And, you know, that means a band that could play the same thing Repeatedly play to a click, mm-hmm. and um, and take direction, you know, and and so we were able to do all of those things, um, and we've made a lot of records in that way as well, you know, kind of almost making a remix record as you go. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a pretty natural process for us to do that to to make that record, and we made it at a. At a studio called the egyptian room which was it was like the 11th or 12th floor of a masonic temple right Mm -hmm. in the middle of downtown new orleans and a friend of ours had robinson mills i believe was his full name Uh, but robinson had made this studio in that space and it was really cool because it was a meeting room for this Masonic temple. So it had all these murals and all this Egyptian artwork painted onto the walls. So that had been there for years. So it was already just a very cool vibe of a room. And so we wound up setting up in there and recording for a few days in that studio and then of course it's not there anymore but uh that's where we did it and you know Rashid was in and out and he would come and check in on the process and, and but the producers or the people that we were in direct contact with
1: was uh, uh was i believe steve uh steve hillage was the main producer on the album was he the one in contact with you guys do you and remember
3: that could very well be okay like you like you said it was 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> but but that does ring a bell.
1: Okay. Um I as someone who actually had uh Rashid on my bucket list of people to try and see, which I didn't know if I was ever going to be able to do it. Unfortunately, now obviously I can't uh, since he passed away a few years ago. Um can can you tell me at all what he was like?
3: You know, he was it was in our interactions with mm-hmm. him he was pretty quiet and uh and like i said he was in and out right so we didn't i don't recall going to any dinners or anything with him afterwards okay he was just kind of in and out um but very you know very nice very cordial and uh you know he appreciated us being there to do that with him and uh, but i i do remember him just being kind of quiet and taking in everything that was going on
1: yeah um since you guys were kind of uh, recording to be sampled was there any specific direction you guys were given or like did he have any songs that they knew you were going they were going to use or did you just kind of play and then they used what you created
3: yeah from what i remember i think there was a little bit of both i think okay There might have been some reference tracks you know where it said okay here's this here's this loop of this band but we can't use this so can you play something similar to this Mm -hmm. that we'll that we'll use and then i seem to recall maybe even doing that with some beats too okay and then and then i think they were you know hey here's a key which i'll play something like this and improvise on this for a while okay play for several minutes to where they would you know cut what they wanted you know yeah which is funny because you know of course it was all natural for us to do but we definitely make we've made a lot of records like that Mm -hmm. since then
1: okay uh, have you, have you listened to the album in a while? Can can you
3: recognize? I meant to listen to it uh, and I'm going to listen to it when we get off. Um, and and I, like you said, I've been running so much. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to listen to it, but then I'm releasing three vinyl records that are re-releases of my Oregon Trio records, so I've been going through and having to listen to all of that with a fine-toothed tone. Yeah. so I had a deadline of yesterday to turn all that in, so I'm going to listen to that record as soon as we get off of here.
1: Okay. Sir, thank you so much for spending just a few minutes with us. I really, really appreciate it, and giving us insight into um, an album that I've loved for the last 20 years and have not been able to get a lot of information for, um, because obviously Rasheed did not not operate at hardly at all in the U.S. So um, I I kind of found him by happenstance and had to kind of appreciate him from afar. Um, And so I don't want to take up any more of your time. So thank you so much for doing this.
3: Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun talking about records and music that we've made. So I enjoyed doing it and keep up what you're doing. And thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Take care.
1: Please join us next time as we are joined by patron Brian McClure to break down the 1986 film Crossroads, discuss the 80s TV show 21 Jump Street, and recast Crossroads using Actors of Today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com, and if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at Cast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.
0: We wrestled the demon Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Your mother is in here, Karis. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it. We hooked the Fisherman Killer, Ben Willis, and I know what you did last summer. Oh, you got a letter? I got run over, Helen gets her hair chopped off, Julie gets a body in her trunk, and you get a letter. That's balanced. We survived a summer away with the Angel of Death, Angela Baker, in sleepaway camp.
1: Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm?
0: But we ain't seen nothing yet. Join Alex and Dean of the Return Revenge Resurrection podcast as we go toe-to-toe with the ever-resourceful Michael Myers. I shot him six times. Be there as we discuss the Halloween franchise in its entirety, from John Carpenter's beloved 1978 classic through David Gordon Green's epic forthcoming finale. I shot him in the heart. We cover it all, the good, the bad, and the bloody. Return Revenge Resurrection, a podcast that. It slashes its way through horror movie franchises. You don't know what death is. New episodes every Thursday, available wherever podcasts are found.
3: I told everyone!